I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to be in verses 20 through 22. While you're finding that, I want to, I want to share with you a journey that I've been on recently. Many of you know I was adopted, six months old. Um, I never struggled with adoption. Uh, I've, I've always considered it to be an incredible blessing. I had wonderful parents that raised me in a wonderful house. Um, so I, I never had that feeling that I needed to go on an odyssey and find my roots. Uh, but in recent years, there's been some question as to who my birth father might have been. So Kelly and I went down the route and we took the DNA tests and we submitted them and we put them on ancestry.com. And uh, I, I, as, as my, my past begins to unfold and it turns out to be far more complicated than I had imagined, uh, I've discovered that I have relatives that I was totally unaware of. And it, it doesn't change my worldview radically, but it does make me look at things a little bit differently. I've found that I've got a number of uh, people that think they might be my brothers and sisters and maybe cousins, but there's enough confusion in there that we don't, can't really straighten things out. Uh, so I begin to look at things just a little bit differently. And I began looking at people and wondering how much like me they might look or how much like me they might be if I were to meet them in person. Well, the surprising thing that I've discovered as I've been getting ready for this sermon is that you have relatives that you may be unaware of as well. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. We're close to together. This is the, this is the truth that I want you to hold on to. And I want you to let this sink into your heart. We are closer together than many people might think we are. We're closer together than you may think that we are. So we're living in an incredible time. I mean, we've suffered through this COVID-19 thing. And just about the time when it looks like things are going to loosen up and we're going to get out and we're going to get to see it, the world goes crazy. And we hear names like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmed Arbery. Three deaths that, that inflamed our nation and, and now are inflaming the world. It's incredible. And I gotta tell you something. It's not just set the world on fire, but it's divided us. And I don't care what side you're on this morning. Listen to me very carefully. Because this isn't about what side you're on in these issues. This is about division. This is about hate and anger. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And it's a division and a hate and an anger that belies one simple basic truth that everybody seems to ignore. We just pay no attention to it. And it's been there since the dawn of creation. Brothers and sisters, we all come from one man and one woman. We have the same mother and father. We're related to each other. We are in every way, shape, and form one blood. Now, that's the name of our sermon today. And I'm going to share with you this morning 
a problem that we all have and we continue to struggle with, and a question that we should all be asking ourselves. I'm also going to share with you a solution that we already have and maybe aren't totally aware of it. Here's the problem we all have. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. It's our passage. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man comes also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall be made alive. Now it would behoove us to know what this phrase in Adam means. And it means that we're not just descendants of Adam and Eve. We're not just their offspring. And, and I, think, I think that's a hard thing for us to kind of get our grip on, being the offspring of Adam and Eve. It seems like they were born so long ago that it doesn't matter anymore. Something's been diluted, whatever. It, but we're their offspring. And, and it means more than we're just their offspring. It means that we have like Adam, we have their nature. And their nature was such that they were in the garden, walking with God, provided for by God, sustained by God. They had everything they needed, and they fell. You see, we've, we've inherited that nature, a tendency to separate ourselves from God by the sins that we commit. See, back there in the garden, that's where the division started. The very first thing that happened was the man and the woman are separated from God. They're cast out of the garden. Their sin caused them to be sent away from his presence. And the division began. And then, and then things got worse. You go to, from Genesis chapter 3 to Genesis chapter 4, and you see the story of Cain and Abel. And what we find out is that the Lord had regard for Abel's offerings and had no regard for Cain's offerings. And that sounds a little bit unfair, but we don't have to read too far in, in Genesis 4 to find out why. And it's because Cain had a heart problem. Cain had a pride problem. And if we would go back to Adam and Eve and what happened to them in the garden, we'd find out that their, their problem really was pride. They thought they could be like God. Well, Cain inherits that pride problem. And then in Genesis 4, it, starting in verse 8, it says this, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where's Abel, your brother? Now, the Lord's not trying to find Abel. He's not going, I can't see him anywhere. Where is he, Cain? He knows what's happening. He said, and, and Cain says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? We hear that all the time. And the Lord said, what have you done? This is not a question, it's an accusation. The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. So the division is greater. Now, it's not just division from God. It's division from each other. But God, God has mercy on Cain. Mankind grows and multiplies. And the corruption 
in the world increases. It keeps on getting worse and worse. And God finally gets down to where he, he rescues Noah and his family. Then gives Noah and his family the whole world to, to sustain him and his descendants. And he also gives them this warning, Genesis 9, 5 and 6. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning from every beast. I will require it. And from man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. And so God says, anybody who kill any animal that kills a man or a woman, any man or woman that kills a man or a woman, he will require a reckoning. And why is that? Because God made man in his own image. Likeness of God. So we find out that it's not just Adam and Eve that are made in God's image. It's everyone. Everyone is made in God's image. So with Noah, we have this reboot. We have a restart, a fresh beginning. But it doesn't take long for us to find out that man's nature really hasn't changed much. Still suffers from strife. He still struggles with pride. Pride. Now, they had some things in common. Same bloodlines. Genesis 11 tells us that they all spoke the same language. And their pride by Genesis 11 has become so great, and this is a, a hugely misunderstood passage, but their pride has become so great, they get together to build this fantastic tower. Now, a lot of people think that they're building the tower to get to heaven. I'm not going to go too deep into this. Let, let me just suffice it to say that they built this tower so that God would come down. It, 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 it's what the Babylonians would call a ziggurat. It's a place for God to come down. And, and they're going to build it high so that it's, it's easy for God to come down. And they did this, watch this, to create a name for themselves, an expression of pride and permanence. They did it to keep them from being scattered and dispersed and watered down over the generations. In other words, they wanted their name to go on forever, and they wanted a relationship with God, but they wanted the relationship on their terms, not on God's terms. We're going to build this place, and God's going to come down, and he's going to live among us, and we're going to last forever, and everybody's going to know our name. They wanted to be self-determined. They wanted show off. They were struggling with pride. Now, God had mercy. He wasn't going to let them continue in their pride. So in Genesis 11, he confused the languages. Now, I want you to watch this carefully. He made them into separate nations. And this is the general disbursement of those nations. I'll show you this again in a little while. And ever since that moment, when God confused the languages and separated the nations, mankind has struggled 
with misunderstanding each other, with talking past each other, with refusing to hear each other. That was somewhere around 6,000 years ago. And we're still struggling with it. And through it all, through the whole thing, that one simple truth has never changed. We're one family. We are of one blood. We are one set of descendants. And today, today the misunderstandings and the lack of communication is greater than ever before. With all of the advances in technology that we've seen, and the smaller and smaller our worlds get, our pride and our de desire to be self-determined are greater than ever before. That's our problem. We are still divided, and we have been since the Garden of Eden. That leads to our question. We know what our problem is, division. Division fueled by anger and hatred and pride and all those other things we should be avoid. So we have a question, but I, I gotta tell you something. It's not the question or the questions that the media and the politicians want us to ask of ourselves. They want votes, they want subscribers, they want hits, on their websites. They want viewers. They want us to ask different questions. And we kind of get in line with whoever our, our favorite talking head is and, and begin asking the questions that they tell us to ask. And the questions are, they're all the same. We can get into details on them, but the questions are, what's wrong with them? You know, those people that are different than us. What's wrong with them? And, and what's right with me? Why should I trust them, whoever? Why don't I just stick with people like me? I'm comfortable with them. I like them, they like me. It's where I belong. And these, all these questions... Every one of them fuel suspicion and anger and mistrust and paranoia and fear. And they're all designed to stroke the same thing in us, the same thing that Cain suffered from, pride. Pride. The only question that we should be asking ourselves the only valid question in all of this, if we understand how the world was created and where we came from, is what will ever bring us back together? How will we ever be able to live like one race, like people of one blood, in a day like today? It sounds impossible. But it's not. It's not impossible. God, God has already given us the solution and all we need to do is reach out and embrace it. What is the solution? We already know. And the Bible, the Bible is, is so gracious and so merciful and so careful to teach us that 
God tells us how it's going to happen before it happens. And that happens in Acts chapter 2. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. God is going to tell us how he provides the solution to all of this division and hate. Starting with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Did you hear that? The disciples are speaking in other language, and everybody was hearing them in their own language. Remember what happened to Babel? how the the nations were scattered and the languages were scattered. And we see the problem that that man had, this division. Here's here's that map again. Here's a map of the nations that come together under one language at Pentecost. Look at it carefully because it covers the same region. God scattered them because of their pride. And he brings them back together in Christ using one language. And the language is the language of the gospel. You see, we we heard the solution to the problem at the beginning of the service. We already read it in the passage today. In the last half of 1 Corinthians 2, 15, 22, when it says, as in Adam all die, it finishes with, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Those who are in Adam die. Those who are in Christ live. Those who are in Adam are scattered. Those who are in Christ are brought together. They have a new nature, and they live for eternity. The solution is the gospel. The solution is becoming one in Christ, acting like Christ. Acting like Christ is in us and there's a testimony in us of him in our lives and treating each other the way he tells us to treat other people. So instead of arguing like the world does, we love. Instead of getting angry like the world does, we love. Instead of demanding our rights 
like the world does. We love, we sacrifice, we give, we surrender. We refuse to hate. We refuse to fuel the, the, the fires of anger. We refuse to ask those questions that create all of this fear and anxiety in other people. And we decide to love like Christ did. Now we've got to be careful with this. Because it's, it's the solution to every problem in the world. So we've got to be careful with this, not to become prideful because we know the answer. Does it seem strange to anybody that the only people that Jesus ever got angry at were the religious leaders of his day? He reached out to the lost and the immigrants and the sinners and the filthy people. He only got angry at the people who suffered from the same stumbling block that Adam and Eve and Cain suffered from, which was pride. So there's the problem that we have. We all struggle with it. Pride, which can cause division, separation, fear, anger, all of those things. Now, once we realize what our problem is, that should cause us to ask a question, and the question is, how will we ever unite? How will we ever learn how to love? The answer to that, brothers and sisters, let me just encourage you, go vote. It's important to vote. But the answer to our problems is not in the voting booth. It's not in politics. It's not in the media. It's not in gathering around us people like ourselves. The answer is in Christ. The answer is not in debate. The answer is not in protest. It's not in fighting. It's not in hate. It's not in drawing borders around your block or your neighborhood and saying nobody but us comes in. It's in Christ and the gospel. We're all one race. We're all one blood. We're closer together than you may think, aren't we? Our natures, if we know Jesus Christ, our natures are being changed from being in Adam to being in Christ. We're no longer in Adam. We are now in Christ. Our destiny, our eternal destiny is sealed and fixed for us. That doesn't change the fact that we're still one race. We're still of the same blood. Now listen to me carefully. Just saying that the human race is one race and one blood doesn't deny the beautiful diversity that we have in the world. God made God made all of us. He formed us in the womb. People that don't believe like this are not exempt from that. He touched our unseen substance. 
So the diversity that we have in the world, the different color skins and the cultures and everything, are by divine design. The world, the world's perverted that. Made it into something it's never intended to be. And they've allowed it to become points of division and hate. And if you have any doubt about that, go home and look at the news this afternoon. Only I'm going to encourage you not to look at it too long. <laughs> you know, every week... Somebody sends me articles. I get videos to watch. I try to read the articles. I try to watch the videos. And my first question is, what does this evoke in me? What does this article evoke in me? What is this video? How do I feel about seeing this video or reading this article? And i got to tell you something. If the article instills in me anything other than compassion and love, it's not a godly article. It's, it's not what the Holy Spirit wants for us. He's not calling us to be pacifists, but he does call us to be compassionate people, loving people. He calls us to be peacemakers on the earth. And yet we have all of this exposure to reasons to be divided. Put that stuff away. It's garbage. You and I are supposed to be different. You and I are supposed to act like we're different. We're supposed to act like we're one blood, like one race. Let's let our blood be washed by the blood of Christ, and let's show people what that washing looks like, what that cleansing looks like. I found out that I had relatives that I was unaware of that my family was much larger than I thought. My DNA proves it. I've got this scientific evidence showing me that I am linked to other people that I haven't even met yet. Well, you know what? The Word of God says that we're all like that. That we're all linked to people that we haven't met yet that our family is much larger than we ever imagined it to be. We all have relatives we're unaware of, and that should change the way we look at the world. And people outside these doors, they are hurting. They are grieving. They're in pain. And Christ, in his grief, and his pain brought you and me together and united us in him. So let us reach out in compassion and mercy to those who are hurting and those who are grieving. It doesn't matter what side they're on. What matters is that they're hurting and grieving. Let us become peacemakers. Let us become a balm the world's pain, not an aggravation to it. Let us be ambassadors of the love of Christ because, because we're one blood, brothers and sisters. Now, how are we going to do that? 
I'll tell you next week. Father, we come before you. At a time in the world where it's easy to forget all that we have and all that's been done for us, but we pause even now. In the middle of all this pain, all this sorrow, all this fear, and we turn our eyes to you, Father. And we pray that your spirit would move in us and remind us that you solved all these problems 2,000 years ago when you gave up your life on the cross. Oh, Lord, let us have a vision for that. Let us embrace the solution to all of these problems. And now may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ through the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. We pray. Amen and amen.